0: We hope you 'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from christian heritage church i 'm going to
1: do a couple things this morning, but one of the things I want to do is is um, tell you what we 're going to do at the end um, when we every time we come into uh, a church opportunity a speaking opportunity um, I'm uh, reminded that you know, the Bible talks about going and making disciples. It doesn't talk about go out and make converts. It's, uh, discipleship starts with conversion, but that's just like birth. That's the beginning moment, and then we're supposed to. It's a lifelong process. Sometimes we have the privilege of being with people for a lifetime, but most of the time we don't. Most of the time uh, God uses us to reach people, and they pass through our life uh, for a day, a season, or a lifetime. That's really God's business. So I want to share with you at the end something that I just read this yesterday, I hadn't really planned on doing this, and I'm not, I, I want you to know ahead of time, um, I'm proud of my son, I have a stepson, his name is Joshua, Joshua Borella. and today is one of those really, uh, you know when, when we were, when our kids were growing up, we had three kids, and at one, for a season of time, they were all playing sports somewhere else, and you know, there's only two parents, so wh- which game are you going to, you know, so it was always a dilemma, how are we going to get to this game, and that game, and th- And so those of you that are parents that have had kids in sports, you know what I'm talking about or any kind of activity. Today is one of those days. My son is preaching across town. Uh, I really would like to be there. (laughs) Uh, But I was uh, asked by uh, Pastor Steve uh, several weeks ago, would I be available to speak? And I said, sure. My son uh, and his wife, Bernice, live in India. She's from India, from Nagaland, actually. And they have three little girls and another child on the way, and they're here for the summer. uh, So hopefully I'll get a chance to hear him speak. Uh, sometime between them. The reason I brought that up is because he shared with me yesterday his uh, their their ministry is called Christian Academy and Lighthouse in Nagaland, India. And I'm going to... Uh, when I read this yesterday, I went, wow, I didn't know all this about him. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to read at the end of this because at the start, let me mention to you that when I first married his mother, Nancy, the one that passed away, um, Joshua was eight years old. So I married this woman uh, who had three little children one of them was an eight-year-old boy he was the oldest an eight-year-old son he didn't know the Lord um, and he was one of my first ministries those children were obviously so I got a chance to minister to him talk to him and his comings and his going and uh, we got married in January and uh, that next uh, Thanksgiving uh, Josh and I were riding across town picking up some last minute items we were in a little pickup truck I remember we stopped at an intersection and Josh had been talking a little bit and He said, uh, hey, Pop, he said, uh, I think I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, well, amen. He said, well, what what do next? I said, well, talk to him. So I'm sitting there at the intersection. He's praying to God, uh, prays for salvation and worship. And I mean, he prayed like like he is now. He just was full of the Spirit and jumped in with both feet. And such began the journey. And what I want to close today with when I get to that part is I want to read what God has done with that little boy. From all those years later, it's almost 30 years now. It was a 2000 or 1988 when that happened. Uh, so I want to, I, and the reason I want to do that is not just because I'm proud of my son. I want to do that because I want this as part of the message today. Is whose plan are you following? We are all following somebody's plan. Now God has a plan for us, and just common sense would tell you. If, and I realize not everybody knows Jesus Christ as Savior, and we're going to make an opportunity for that in the the service as well. Not everybody understands, most of us don't understand, but not everybody believes that that's even possible. That somehow, some man that walked on this planet 2,000 years ago had some kind of power to cover my sins. There are people, most people don't believe that. They don't, they don't believe it. They don't accept it. They can't even see how it could be true. I was one of those people. I was 35 years old. And I had a conversation with a guy. And he was telling me about the good news. Now, I had been to church when I was a kid. I had been baptized when I was a kid. I had, you know, I had been through the rituals. But I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I didn't know that I did. I knew I didn't have a relationship. But I thought what I had was is what there is. But I was seeing something in somebody else's life that showed me that there's something more and so I wanted that something more. I reached a point where I, I was tired of what I had. And by the way, let me go back to, you, to your plan. Everybody in this room is sitting here with a plan. You may not realize you have a plan, but you have a plan. Uh, and your plan um, is, has had some degree of result to now. However old you are, you've had some degree of result. Some good results, some bad results. And so that's how you would say, well, uh, your understanding of life has brought you to this point and you feel like you have this much information and this is the way life is. Um, So what I always ask everybody when I go into uh, the various places where I minister is you've had a plan up till now. How's it working for you so far? If it's working, if you think it's working great, I could stand here all day. A real preacher could stand here all day. Pastor Steve could stand here all day and preach till his tongue fell out. And if you think your plan is working, if that's, where you're, if that's what's in your mind, you're not doing anything different. You're not going anywhere. You're going to just continue on with that plan and it's going to continue to have the kind of results you've been experiencing. And if they've been bad results, by the way, I got some really bad news for you. They get worse. You, you know, sometimes you're good. well, I'm, I win some, I lose some, and then it's like, I win less, I lose more, and then it's I can't get a win. And eventually you come to a point, hopefully like an eight-year-old child, But unfortunately, sometimes, like a 35-year-old man, where you say, you know what, there's got to be a better way than this. That's what we're going to talk about today. And it's not my plan. By the way, I go to, we have a program, as as Mike mentioned, we have a, a ministry called Good Samaritan. And part of our program, not all of it, part of our program is to take people whose lives have been trashed and crashed and help them rebuild it. And I go talk to people in prison or on the street or whatever, and I talk to them about plans. And I say, well, first off, God already has a plan for you. Your plan is not working that well. I don't have a plan for you. And if I did, it wouldn't be any, it would be worthless. So I'm not here to tell you, this is not my 12 step program. This is not, I'm not against that by the way, but this is not a program and this is not my plan. Um, But God has a plan for you. And guess where we can find it. It's not, it's not hard to find. It's a matter of, of being willing to set my plan aside and just give it credit where credit's due. And then say, well, if there was a better plan, what would that look like? And then just be open for discovery. My prayer of invitation at the end of the service today, one of the points, I'm going to pray for those that know that you don't have a, relate, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and those of you who are not sure that you do. There's, there, that's, that's a number of people in this room. You know that you don't have a relationship or a vast, a lot of people don't know for sure. And the Bible said these things I've written that you may know. Not that you want hope so, wish so, think so, know so. More than you know anything else in life, you can know that you're saved. Did you know that? And if you're sitting there thinking, well, now that's not possible, then you're who I'm speaking to. And by the way, I'm speaking to everybody because, uh, as Mike mentioned in our, in our uh, bio part, one of the things we wrote as part of our ministry is we were going to minister to the hopeless, the homeless, the helpless. And we had that for many years as, our, as kind of our line. And then I was working with different churches and stuff, and all of a sudden God just put up my heart. And I said, how about the unused and the underused? which covers the vast majority of the church, by the way. I'm not talking about this congregation necessarily. I'm talking about the vast majority of the church. Unused and underused. How many of you, and don't raise your hand, this is just a rhetorical thing for you to think about, and to, so you can be honest. If I made you raise your hand, then you might or might not want anybody else to know. But how many of you are sitting here right now, and at some level you think, you know what, I, I'm just not being used. In fact, many people ask, they come to the church and they come to the pastor or they come to someone and they say, I'd like to do this and such. And they say, well, sorry, we don't need you. Uh, Very rarely will they say that, but they will say that. Some will say that. But sometimes they'll say, well, we need you, but we don't need you there. Um, You know, I I want to be up front. By the way, I don't want to be up front. That was never my goal to be up front. Uh, First off, I didn't feel qualified to be up front, and I've proven that many times over. Um, I'm not qualified to be up front. I'm just... In fact, our ministry, uh, my part of the ministry is my primary thing, and I've shared this before. My primary part of the ministry is to get in my truck, to ride around town, going to various places, doing my rounds, as I call it. And as I go to the hospital or to, or to the Carney Center or to the prison or to wherever, as I make my rounds, I see people that are on the side of the road. That's where the Good Samaritan Park comes in. I see people on the side of the road that are broken. I mean literally and figuratively on the side of the road. They're broken. They've been mugged by life. And so I put them on my donkey. In my case, my Tacoma. um, And we start for a ride. We go for a ride. Sometimes physically for a ride. Sometimes just a conversation. But we go for a ride. And the purpose is because I know that God has a plan. And what I want to do is help them and help you help us discover God's plan. He is not hiding it. He wants to reveal it to you. But just like anything else, you have to kind of flow in the pattern to get it. If I I had a friend one time whose husband traveled a ton. He was always gone. He was always at the airport. And um, I remember her saying one time, if his ship ever does come in, he'll miss it because he'll be at the airport. Uh, You know, sometimes you're just in the wrong place. You can't find God's plan because you're working your plan. So at the end, I want to read, like I said, I want to read a little bit of Josh's bio because first off, it shows what an eight-year-old kid 30-something, almost 30-something years later, what God can do if you'll surrender. If you say, man, I've got all I can handle right now in just floating, that is not the life God planned for you. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundant. Not that they might scrape by, and I'm not talking about material. I'm talking about peace and joy and and a sense of that I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I'm doing what God's called me to do. When you're in line with God, it gives you a whole sense of purpose. You're not worn out and tired. You may physically be worn out and tired. You may get to a point where you have to take a break or whatever, but it won't be because of boredom. It won't be because you're worn out like that. So I'm going to read a number of scriptures. And I I shared with the team that uh, they asked me, you know, what scriptures you are going to have? And I said, well, I've got 20 of them. And she said, 20? And I said, yeah, but don't worry, we won't get through them all. Um, we 're just going to get through as best we can, but I, I found an outline uh, as I, I googled this up and I thought, well, God has a plan, and I already know the scriptures that relate to it, a lot of them that relate to it, but there 's so many more, so we can 't read them all in fact, on my in my leadership post that I always do every morning on Facebook, I put this morning, I usually put the chapter and the verse, and this morning, I just put the Bible because the Bible is chock full of principles and specifics that will help you discover and execute. His plan for you. Now, if I were telling you, if I were standing here, and I've been to places back in my business days, I've been to conferences where some of the speakers up there are telling us, here's a plan that will cause you to make a lot of money or cause you to be successful in this field or whatever. Write this down. Boy, we're writing them down. If I do this, if I do, you know, seven, seven uh, attributes of a successful person. Where, you know, you're just writing them down, trying to own that stuff. This is God's plan. Not some guy's plan, God's plan. So I want to read some of them, and I think most of them will come up, but they're basically in three categories, Uh, but it starts with God's plan regarding your welfare, in other words, your well-being. God has a plan that will be okay, to help us be okay. Starts off with Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, I've had this conversation with lots of people and they, I, they're being anxious and I say, one of the first things I say, which always really endears me to them is I say, are you anxious about this? "Yeah." I said, well, then you're sinning. If you're anxious, you're sinning. Well, that's kind of rude. Everybody gets anxious, right? It doesn't mean you don't get anxious, but you don't stay anxious. Things will come up that will catch you off guard and cause you to be anxious you have a plan you're working your plan and something interrupts your plan maybe catastrophically and and it just knocks you off your off your horse that happens that happens to all of us i've had major events like that uh my wife died that wasn't my plan she was 42 years old we were serving the lord we were going to church we had a business we're raising our kids life was good one, day she, one night she woke up with a stomach not feeling well, and five and a half months later she, was, she had died of pancreatic cancer. That wasn't our plan. And I didn't like that plan, by the way. That wasn't God's plan either, by the way. But he included that reality of today's environment, today's illnesses, and all that. He included that into his plan so that it didn't thwart his plan. That's very important to hear. doesn't mean when you follow God's plan that nothing bad is ever going to happen. And it also doesn't mean that God plans for bad things to happen to you. That's not the case. But God can deal with the bad plans. He has already planned it. He's already seen it. And He's incorporated that into His greater plan for the greater cause, which is our welfare. First and foremost on His plans for our welfare is salvation. He doesn't wish that any should perish. He wants all of us to come to know Him. He's made a provision for everybody to come to know Him. But... We don't all, we're, sometimes we're at the airport when the ship comes in. We say, that can't be for me. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm of this belief. I'm of that belief. And that, you know, that's, not, that's Christianity or that's you know, that version of Christianity. I'm, I don't believe that. So we, we reject the very gift that God has given us. The most important part of his plan, salvation. All right. The next thing is um, the Lord will provide you with help of the Holy Spirit so you're never alone. By the way... We can't do this by ourselves. People say, "Well, I don't think I can get through this." You can't. Uh, but let me read this. But the Helper. This is John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that all that all I have said to you. So God is God knows we can't do this by ourselves. He didn't design us to do it by ourselves. It's uh, when it says uh, that he'll, he'll bring it. He'll help you. It always makes me think of uh, my grandson, Christian. He's six years old, and we'll be doing something, and he'll say, I I pick him up at school pretty regularly, and we're coming over here, we always go to the store right after school, and he gets a snack or something, and he says, but Beth, when she picks him up, she brings the snack with her. So, of course, he likes her to pick him up. Um, So when I pick him up, he goes, do you have my snack? I said, "Nobody. we're going to be at the store in just a couple minutes. He said, I can't wait. He goes to Gilcrest, by the way. That's like, you know, a couple miles. I can't wait. I said, oh, yeah, you can wait. No, I can't wait. No, really, I cannot wait. I said, I can prove to you that you can wait. He goes, how? I said, just wait. (laughs) And we just ride over here, him not wait. And then when we finally get to Sheriff Road, he goes, I can make it. (laughs) I knew you could, buddy. Well, see, I'm his helper. He doesn't think he can make it. He needs somebody to assure him he can make it. And get him through it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. When you say, I can't make it, you can make it. But you can't, He doesn't want you to just make it. He wants you to, He wants you to have victory in making it. So I can, I can, you read the scriptures again. There's all kinds of examples where God's people get slaughtered. Well, they didn't make it. Oh, I beg the pardon. They made it. They finished their course. How long is their course? That's between them and God. Nancy's course was 42 years old. That wasn't my plan. That wasn't her plan. That was God. God included that in his plan and had great success in the period of time that she had. Great success in her life, other people's lives, all kind of people have been affected. Uh, when my son's, um, uh, when Bernice, his wife, had a miscarriage uh, earlier, or last year, and uh, when we heard got, got worded that she had uh, miscarried, the first thought that went through my mind, I mean, I, it, I broke my heart, and, you know, I started crying, but the first thought that God gave me, this is the Holy Spirit, this is Holy Spirit talking to us. This is not me doing it by myself. My heart was grieved. The first thing Holy Spirit told me was, Nancy finally got to hold her first grandbaby. She loved her, her children. She never got to see any of them married, never got to see them graduate from anything other than high school. She told me that one time. When, near, near, about two days before she died, she was at home. She was drugged up with morphine. She had come out of the bedroom, kind of disoriented. And I said, what's wrong, baby? She said, I'm having a problem. She said, I, I know that I'm about to see Jesus, and I'm excited. She said, but I just can't help but think all that I'm not going to get to see. I'm not going to see the graduations, the marriages, the grandbabies. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to get to see any grandbabies. And I know this was Holy Spirit because I, I didn't, this didn't occur to me. This just came out of my mouth. Was what I said was, I don't know what you can see from heaven, but I do know this. If you could take all those periods of celebration that you've just described and then the ones you can came to imagine and roll them into some giant period of ecstasy, they will fail the moment you see Jesus. The moment you see Jesus, all that will be secondary. But he's a good, good God. I know you're going to get to see way beyond anything these eyes can see. You're going to get to see. But the human limitation of my mind still got to rejoice when that baby died to know that he was right there with Nancy. I thought, wow, she finally got a grandbaby. You know, now there's no such thing as time in heaven, so she's not waiting on us. But I know that baby's with her. So God has a plan, and it's a good, good plan because he's a good, good God. The Lord will. Uh, the next scripture is First Corinthians ten thirteen. The Lord will provide the way out of temptation. We're always going to be tempted to take a shortcut or to give up. Everybody gets tempted, gets tempted to take a shortcut or to just give up or to never even try. It's too hard. I can't do that. Or I can't stay with this. Or this is you know th- this relationship is just. I had a. I have a, a friend that was talking the other day about he, he'd had a breakup of his marriage and they're trying to reconcile. And everybody was telling him how to avoid the mistake of getting back with this person. And I told him, I said, I'm not telling you what to do, but I am telling you what God's word says. And I gave him scripture. So I said, you know, sometimes, especially those that love us, we don't want to see our children suffer. We don't see our friends suffer. So we see somebody who's been hurt by something. We say, don't go there. Well, what if God wants them to go there? And if you line up with God's word, what do we know about divorce? God hates divorce. I know I've been through it. And God's word says it. I know God hates divorce. I know divorce is very painful. But I know that even though God didn't plan that, he planned for that. And he can turn it into something incredible. If you'll let God's plan be your plan. The next one is, the Lord will provide you with his joy. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. His joy is perfect, by the way. It's not perverted. It's not secondary. It's not some knockoff version. It's the real deal. That your joy may be full. Not limited, not partial. Full. That your joy may be full. Then in verse um, uh, Hebrews uh, 13, 20-21, uh, the Lord will provide you with what you need to do his will see we want what we want to do our will and sometimes and the and by the way the devil will help you get what you want Do you know that the devil will definitely help you get what you want i uh, how many I've, i always say this when i'm in in uh mixed crowds i always ask the women how many of you have ever had an experience where you thought this guy is all that in a bag of chips man if i could just have him and then you got him and you went, what was I thinking? I don't say, when it's just us guys, we have a different version of that. But, the, uh, but, the, but it's very simple to prove. I'd worry if I just had this. Oh, my gosh. That, things would be great. And then you got him and you think, wow, that wasn't what made me happy. Because it won't, by the way. You, you, uh, you can get a partner and they can, they can bless you and you can bless them. But we if you're counting on anybody to make you happy, you're in for a real rough ride. In fact, if you're counting on you to make you happy, you're in for a real rough ride. Only God, and I'm not talking about happy, I'm talking about a peace and a joy, a sense of well-being. When my wife died, I didn't, that was not a happy thing. That was not, I was not okay with that plan. But i But I trust God. And as I was going through the process... As she died in my arms, took her last breath in my arm and her home with her children around her, which was her only request. I don't want to die in hospice. I don't want to die in a hospital. I want to die in, in my home with my children. And that's exactly how God led her. And when that day happened, it was a, it was a Saturday morning about 11 o'clock-ish when she took her last breath. And uh, that, was, that was tough. That was a hard thing. You know what was happening? And, I'm, and we're... <laughs> uh, my family is not... Uh, We're not the Von Trops, we don't sing that well. Uh, We're not, uh, I wouldn't consider us any real powerful uh, Christian people. I always laugh when people introduce me by the way and they act like we're doing some big deal. You know how hard it is to drive your truck around town? I'm an Uber driver by the way, did you know that? I'm an Uber driver, you know how hard that is? Switch it on (laughs) and then you pick them up and then then they're in your truck. Well I I know I won't be an Uber driver for long because I'm sure I'm getting lots of complaints. Because I'm not trying to write it from here to there. I'm trying to write it from here to there. And so sometimes that just depends on how they respond to it. But it's not that hard to do what I do. In fact, it's very, some of the things you all do, I can imagine. Those of you that work with children, I raised a lot of kids. I've, I've had all adopted kids, or just kids that came through our house, near as I can count, counting the ones that came when they were, out of school and just came to live with our house for a while when they were having some kind of issue or something, and, but kind of where our Chelsea house started, probably 13, 14, 15 uh, children or young people and mostly children, but young people at some point lived in our house and we helped help them get to the next stage. And uh, one of my and I probably shouldn't say this on television or on, on streaming, but uh, but it's the truth. Uh, I was. Beth and I were at a, at a church, and she was down there working with the kids. You know, we rotate people, work with the kids. And I was upstairs, and was, I think it was a, I don't remember what, it wasn't a Sunday morning, but it was some other time. And some guy came in, and he's looking for somebody. Well, I happen to know that guy was down there working with Beth and the, I think it was the uh, third grade kids, I think. Um, maybe not even that old. And um, so they were, um, I said, well, I'll go get your friend, and he can come with you, and I'll just help Beth. He goes, okay. So I go down, relieve the guy, he comes back up. So I'm there, and I knew all the kids, I knew all the families and everything, so I'm playing with all the kids, they're wrestling with me and climbing all over me, and I was sitting in a chair, and I had, had like one little girl in this arm, one little girl in this arm, we're playing and stuff, and this little boy came over and kicked, he was notorious, by the way, there were three of them, three brothers, I won't say their name on, on the air, but, uh, but I love them, by the way, and they love me, but this one little boy comes up, and he kicked me in the shin just as hard as he could kick somebody, and uh, it stunned me, and so I, I put the girls down, he started to run, but he didn't get far enough and I punted him right across the room. <laughs> Turns out you can't do that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, by the way, they never asked me to take care of the children again, so if you want to get out of taking care of children, of course nowadays you probably go to prison, but, um, but I punted him. Now I know how to punt. I didn't kick him. I punted him. I laid him on my leg and lifted him. Uh, and he went flying in the air and landed over there, and I got his little neck and I pushed him in the car I said, don't you ever kick me again, boy. He was like, today's a Marine, by the way. Uh, and he, thank God for forgiveness. He's forgiven me, I'm sure. I don't work well with children. I love children. My, my grandson, Beth will just, call, I mean, Beth will just nurture him. Uh, and he'll cr- cry about something. I said, you know, you got to get up, but You know, she's, she's, no, you know, he's six years old. I said, yeah, but he's going to be seven. He's going to be in the playground. The boys are going to make fun of him. you got to get up. You can't cry over every time, you know, Chuck E. Cheese walks through the building. You know, he's scared to death of Chuck E. Cheese. The Lord will provide you with spiritual strength. Hebrews 3, 14 and 16. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So important. What, back to what I first started this with. If you, if you are just scraping by, that is not what God planned. And again, I'm not talking about material stuff. You can be very successful and dead broke. You don't have to have a bunch of... I don't have anything anymore, really, uh, compared to what I did have when I was in business. Um, when Nancy died, she was a good business person. And we had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. And the reason I mentioned that is just to let you know I have none now. And And she told me, by the way... In her, I kid you not, in her, in her goodbye videos, one of the things I treasured most in life was she did goodbye videos for her, each one of her children. They've now transferred it to the latest technology. So they went from video to whatever it is. I had one. And in my video, one of the things that she said as she was saying goodbye was, and honey, the money. She said, no. See, my business plan was always just make more. I had no budget. I just, We need that. We'll just make more money. And when I was making money, that was a good plan. When I went into ministry, that plan, that option was out. But she said, somewhere along, you got to, and I'd already started running the rescue mission at the time. I was already buying equipment for them. She goes, honey, you know, you can't do that. And by the way, that's not God's plan for me to do that. As I found out the hard way. It made me feel good, but it wasn't God's plan. And so she said, she goes, I know, you know, probably 10 years from now, she's been gone for this year will be 17 years," um, she said. "Probably 10 years from now, you'll be, you know, missionary in, in uh, Zimbabwe." She picked out of nothing, um, and she said, "So I know God will take care of you, but just as best I can coach you, be careful with the money." And uh, and I was. As soon as I ran out, I became very careful with the money. <laughs> Poor Beth. The Lord will provide you with eternal protection." This is Hebrews 13:6. "The Lord will provide you with eternal protection. So we can confidently say this, "The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? I share with you all. about this time last year, April of last year, is when we got run out of Woodville, and uh, I' mean, run out of Woodville, um, and we were being attacked, and it was and there's a scripture that talks about when you've given up anything for the Lord, for His cause, anything for the gospel. God will restore it. He doesn't need what I've got. But if I'll trust him with it, and we were out of town and we got this word that they were, you know, uh, there was all kinds of things happening and they were going to, you know, I mean, it got big. Um, and we were racing back home and I had the permits in my hand. I had the, you know, I had them down. I was ready for, Lord for bear. And About halfway home, I, I was thinking, I'll do this, I'll do that. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you don't defend yourself, I'll defend you. I didn't even have to think about it because I've been walking with the Lord long enough now and I've been through uh, one of my favorite songs, probably my favorite song of all time is a Janet Pascal song. I've been through enough to know that he'll be enough for me. That's my song. I've been through enough to know that he'll be enough. Even if my wife dies, he'll be enough. If I don't have any money, he'll be enough. If nobody cares, he'll be enough. And so I'm racing back and I... He said that, and I thought, you know what? I won't. I didn't. And by the way, not not to act like I'm uh, have sour grapes. I do, but not to act like it. Uh, all the churches we've ministered to in this town, all the churches we've ministered to, and we had lots of churches, and we get asked to speak at lots of different churches. You know how many of the pastors, and it was on the news and everything else. It was pretty well out there. You know how many people called me to just offer condolences and or to encourage me in any way, shape, or form of all the churches we've done ministry in here, one. And that man was in Gainesville that particular day. And he said, Glenn, are you all right? I said, I am. He goes, uh, I said, I'm going to go to this town hall meeting. They're going to end up, you know, finish their their tar and feathering, and then we'll go. Because God told me not to fight it. And he said, "Uh, you come up here. We'll take care of you. That was Steve Dow. We'd only been here for a month or a year. Maybe a year. We hadn't done anything for this church. Never spoke in this church, didn't know anything, hardly knew anybody. And he said, you come up here, we'll take care of them. He said, bring your guys up here, the ones that were being persecuted. Bring them up here. He said, bring them up here tomorrow. I'll be back home while you're down there in that thing so we can get them out of that environment. I'll bring them up here and feed them pizza and show them a movie or something. I'll, we'll, be, we'll take care of them. You want to know why we're affiliated with Christian Heritage Church? Because when the going got tough, he stood with us. In fact, he wanted to go down there to the persecution. I said, no. There's, I, I know him and his gun, you know, I was thinking, I'll be in more trouble now if he bring bring that crazy Oklahoma cowboy out there. Uh, but no, seriously, I thought, there's nothing to fight. God, to, God didn't ask me to bring in warriors. God was going to defend me. So, he did. Well, um, Mark 10, 29 through 30. The Lord will provide with great blessings and that, that, that will correspond with the things you've lost. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children and lands with persecution, with persecution. That's the part we like to leave out, by the way. So God's going to restore it with persecution. We don't like that part. Let's just take that part out and then just go on. Uh, and he's going to restore it now and in the age to come. Now, the with persecution part, by the way, you think, well, that's a bad add-on. But the reason that's so good is because you don't understand what God has really done if you don't have any persecution. I'm not mad, by the way. And I was teaching about being uh, mad at the other pastors. I didn't want them to come. I mean, a phone call would have been nice. An encouraging word would, and I'm sure many of them were praying for us. And probably many of them never even saw the news on it. You know, I'm, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. But it does matter that God, to know that God is going to restore. And by the way, what we left down there, when we left, the biggest, honest God, my, my biggest burden was the men who would be displaced and the many, many people. We, we, could, we moved out within 10 days. They gave us a cease and desist. We moved out within 10 days because that's what it said. So that's what we did. And I tried to get my guys placed all over the place. And and um, some of them it did and some of them it didn't. One of the best young men that I knew in our, in our program at the time ended up going back to prison because he had no place to live. Fine young man, made a mistake when he was younger, um, comes from a wonderful Christian family, godly parents. He's a godly man, was working three jobs, couldn't keep the mattress curfew one night and got put back by an overzealous probation officer. And um, that broke my heart. The other thing was, the, all the people, we had over 7,000 families and 10,000 people, counting the children, that had, had got food from us some at one point down there at that food bank in Woodville. And I was thinking, Lord, who's going to feed them? Well, as I learned a long time ago, they have a God and I'm not him. So I had to let it go. And we did. We we stayed as long as we could. We thought we handed it off successfully and then we moved on. And we came up here and we started up here. And I don't know how many thousands so far have registered here, but our weekly food giveaway is two or three times the size it was down there. Including, by the way, some of the people from Woodville that come up here to get the food. God has restored what was taken multiple fold. Our, the store that, that the church has works with us on. We couldn't afford that. You know, that. That's another thing. This church, and y'all know the battle we've had financially speaking, and this church has helped us in ways that really we can't afford to help. And God has blessed it. I can't tell you the number of souls and the number of of lives that get changed on a daily basis at that store next door. We don't run that store so we can have a store. We have men and women that come and work in that store that gives them, when I go to speak in prison, I go and talk to people about coming out and having a new life. For a man to come out of prison to be successful, he has to make choices. But if we give him an opportunity to have a safe and secure place to sleep, plenty to eat, all the basic needs as we read in the earlier scripture, the basic needs he's going to need as far as Uh, food and all that, and something productive and constructive to do, his odds of success are dramatically improved. Dramatically improved. The last statistics I I saw in our case was uh, when we had about 500 men that we were tracking over a period of five years at another ministry that we oversaw. That all had similar, we, we tracked those men with those records, everything from the worst crimes you can think of, to and another group of 500 men that had the same kind of crimes, the recidivism rate, the going back to prison rate, of these were 40-something percent. These were eight. Eight percent. So some still made bad choices. But a vast majority of them took the second chance or the 15th chance or whatever it was that had the biblical principles applied to it and built something out of their life. That's what God can do. So God can take the things that we've messed up we didn't catch him off guard. He's prepared for it, and he knows what to do with it. I'm going to close with this, as I shared with you before. I want to read this, and again, I'm not. It's kind of lengthy, but I want to read it to you because it's it's overwhelming evidence of what God can do if we do our part. That is, be there for the birthing, if you will. Share, be the midwife, be there and help somebody uh, come to know the Lord so they can have a born again experience. And then, don't dump them, then go through the process. Discipleship making is hard work. It's lengthy, it's time consuming, it's uncomfortable. It's what God told us to do. So I'm going to read you what happened to that 8-year-old boy, Joshua Borella. By God's grace, Joshua became born again, a born-again Christian, 8 years old, and from uh, from the 3rd to the 12th grade studied in solid Christian private schools, although one of them was a little iffy, but he didn't remember that. He has been married over 10 years to his wife, Bernice, and they have three beautiful children. Josh's hometown is Tallahassee, Florida. He graduated high school from North Florida Christian School, and upon graduation, Joshua earned the U.S. President's Award for Educational Excellence and was awarded the Merit-Based Bright Future Scholarship for the state of Florida. However, he prayerfully, and he doesn't say that lightly, by the way. This, this boy is a prayer warrior. He prayerfully decided to serve the, uh, God and country in the U.S. Navy. After complete, completing graduate school, Joshua earned his commission as an officer in the U.S. Air Force, completing many overseas deployments and international human, humanitarian projects around the world. He's a member of the Rotary International, the VFW and MOAA, whatever that is, uh, received many awards and an honorable discharge at the rank of captain. On his final assignment, Joshua served in, on faculty for two and a half years as the assistant professor of aerospace studies at North Carolina State University, which is one of the top 25 engineering colleges in the U.S. Furthermore. He has a year of pharmaceutical management operational experience, operations experience and was promoted to the company's management position based on his top marketing sales records for the district, state, and the nation. Joshua has led and managed over thousands of employees in multiple large organizations and companies serving millions of customers and gaining valuable experience in business, operations, project management, avionics, recruiting, marketing, administration, human resources, safety, security, and overseeing billions of U.S. dollars in company budgets and assets. Moreover, he has instructed over 200 college and engineering students in their undergraduate aerospace uh, studies curriculum and served as their academic advisor, heralded by his students' classes and evaluated as their, quote, best professor. Education background, background, Josh has completed his avionics certification, FAA and FCC licensing, master's certificate in human resource management from Villanova University, uh, BS summa cum laude at Liberty University. M.B.A. with a graduate uh, certificate in finance at Colorado State University and an M.A. in intercultural studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, studying linguistics with the biblical Hebrew and Greek languages. Plus, he enjoyed studying in the Hindu-Urdu language program at North Carolina State University. Joshua has 20 years of international Christian ministry and volunteer service experience as a pastor, teacher, student leader, counselor, evangelism. Mission and church planting with various churches, organizations, schools and colleges and seminaries and universities. By faith and in prayerful obedience to God's word, Joshua and his family sold their possessions in America and moved to India in 2015 to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. All for the glory of God. Don't you wish he'd have showed up today? <laughs> Again, I want, by the way, like I said, I didn't even know most of this. He's very humble about it. He doesn't. He doesn't go. He's doing this because they have a. They, they're they're promoting their, their ministry now. Is uh, by the way, Nagaland is a state within the country of India. It's about two million people. And for those that wonder about the, the success of foreign mission fields, a hundred plus years ago, a missionary came through that part of India. They were in the mountains of Nagaland, right in below the Chinese border. There were seven tribes there. They were all headhunters. The missionary got killed. Somehow, uh, the Holy Spirit used him to to convey to somebody who caught it, and now a hundred years later, the Nagas are a little over two million people. Ninety something percent are Christians. That nobody even knows that. Ninety something percent of the people in Nagaland, in the in right in the belt, in the most dark one of the darkest places in the world. The the only city they have in Nagaland is is like Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's half of it's in Nagaland and half of it's in the state next door, which is a very aggressive uh, country with a different uh, uh, religious beliefs. And their orphanage and Christian Academy, uh, when you get if you get a chance, I, I have my cards gonna be at the door by the way when you get ready to leave. If you'd like to have a follow-up, not on this necessarily, but just on what God's doing in your life. But I will share this with you. They have a thing called um, the Christian Academy and Lighthouse, and, the, the, and there's a picture of it in here that shows a building. I, when, if I was counseling him, I'd have said, God, Josh, this is a bad plan. Right here on this picture is a three-story building with a huge entry with a giant cross right over the top of it. In the city where, where, they, where they have terrorists killing Christians. That's what he put on his building. I'm a father and a grandfather of three beautiful little girls. I don't like that plan. But God has a plan. And it was to be brave, to be bold, and to go for as long as God gives him, as long as God gives them, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Your plan that God has for you is waiting for you to discover it. What I want to do at the, for invitation today is when we start to sing that last song again, I want to have a, prayer, a time of prayer. I'm going to pray this out, uh, Mike. I'm going to pray us out and close us out. But during the invitation time, during when the, when the music is playing, you can come up and pray. We'll have already prayed. You can stay as long as you want. You can leave wherever God leads you. But let me ask you just to take up the possibility, instead of doing what you what you might usually do, and I know a lot of you always come forward, but you might be inclined to you know, i got to hurry. i got to go somewhere. i got to do something. We're finishing up a little early. Let me encourage you to come forward, and even if you don't have any mechanics, if you don't have any real specific details, just ask, God, is there something else you expected from me? Is there something else you have for me? And just asking him and being open to him receiving, you will start to hear the answer. He will put in your heart something. He'll start moving you forward. The enemy is not going to like this invitation, by the way. But as I said in the beginning, before the first part of God's plan for anybody is to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, the way I'm going to do the invitation today is I'm in just a minute, I'm gonna have everybody bow their head and close their eyes. And this is gonna be a quiet, private place for you. I'm not asking you to come forward at this point or at any point. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward after the point. I'm gonna be it's gonna be available to come forward. But I want you to find somebody. If you don't know somebody else that you feel comfortable talking about your decision you might make just now like I said I'm gonna have some people in the back with my card. This little boy asked me one time, and I'm nobody special. But I know the answer. This little boy asked me one time about getting saved. And this man, 30 something years later, is, is what result. God has great plans. If, if you've been going through the if you've gone through the ritual and or you've been going through the motion and you're not experiencing that kind of geometric growth, something is wrong. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means the enemy has you deluded. Because God plans you to have dramatic growth. Dramatic results, not mediocre results. Not getting by results, dramatic results. So I'm going to ask two parts of the invitation. One is I'm going to pray for those of us who are the unused and the underused that you might come forward for just a minute and ask God to start to reveal to you. Just taking some steps forward is your... I teach a class in prison called Next Steps. Just do the next right thing. Just take a step forward, come forward, spend a moment here, ask God to reveal to you, starting right now, what... He's got a plan for you. And if you say, man, I'm already doing so much in the kingdom, you may be doing a lot of work, a lot of good godly work, and it may not be the work God gave you to do. God has something in mind for you that's going to be unbelievable. And he may be just taking what you're doing now and saying, stay the course, let's go. Keep going. Keep plowing. That may be what it's going to be. Whatever it is, that's between you and God. But then the other part of the prayer is going to be, for those who are sitting here that don't know for sure, that god is that jesus christ is your lord and savior and or you're sure that he's not and when i pray that prayer at the end of the prayer time before i have everybody get up move i'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you raise your hand i'm not i'm not going to come out and get you and i'm not asking you to come here i'm at this point i just this is your birth this is going to be the birthing and then what i want you to do is if you raise your hand when we get ready to leave either come forward and see me i'll be here for a little bit or you can you just walk out back if you're if you're not ready for a face-to-face confrontation, yeah, just get one of my cards. If you don't know somebody else in the ministry that you want to talk, just get one of my cards. It has my cell number on it. You can call and we'll talk. or set a time. We'll go for a ride. Let's pray. Fathers, we come into your presence. We know that you have been flowing through this room. The Holy Spirit, you have been touching people literally on the shoulders and saying, this is you he's talking about. Because this is God's word that you're hearing. It's not this man. It's not about his son. It's not about his stories. It's about the plan I have for you. And I do have a plan for you. And so, Father, we, we come before your throne of grace. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, and myself included, to be open. To not say, well, I've been doing everything you told me to do. Well, yeah, but I'm not done yet. And you're not done yet. And you have so much more. What more of what we do as a congregation, as individuals, as a community, what incredibly more things you have planned for us, and we're being held back because we think that we're doing all we're supposed to do. And so Father, I know that your word promised us, we just read it, that you will provide us the resources and the strength and the power to do whatever you have planned for us to do. And so Father, we're opening the door, we're asking for you to bring that that to us. So as I say these few words, those of us that are maybe feeling a little underused or unused, Let's just pray the Lord that he will open that and, and help us to follow him more closely so that we can be better used by him. And now for those that are sitting here that are sure that you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't even understand this at all, but something that's telling you that this is for me, that's correct. That's the Holy Spirit. He's telling you it's for you. And this is your moment and this is your time. And this is going to be a, a quiet transition to leave my plans behind to not try to find somebody else's plan to live them, but to allow God to come into my life and to give me his plan, starting with my salvation. And the way I'm going to pray this prayer is I'm not assuming you have any doctrinal knowledge. I'm just knowing the facts. You heard today that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And you know that you're a sinner. Those are the two things you have to know. The only thing he's asking you to do is to ask. And he'll reach you at the level you are. You don't have to have some super conviction or some super idea about it. You just have to have a faint little bit of openness and He will walk through that door. So as I pray this prayer, if you don't know for sure you're saved or if you're sure you're not saved, you can pray along with me. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it silent in your heart. God's going to hear you either way. So let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I've heard that Jesus died for me. I'm asking you to come into my life and to make this real in my life and to lead guide, and direct me the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Please keep your head bowed and nice close. Raise your hand if you just prayed that prayer so I know who to pray for. High enough that I can see it. Amen. Amen. Anybody, amen, amen. Father, we've come into your house, we've done as you've instructed us to do, we've shared your truth of love. And your Holy Spirit has, has taken it to the, to the hearts. And these that have made that decision, Father, and that have asked you, we know that your word says you would never say no to one that would ask they've asked so father as we get ready to leave this place help us to not just leave this place and just say well that was fun or that was nice or that was boring help us to leave this place after we have received you both for salvation and for renewal father help us to leave this place full of bravery full of vigor and full of anticipation and expectation of the great things that you're yet to do and so in jesus name i pray come forward now everybody stand up and raise up as we sing the song and then start feeling free
0: to come forward Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul Father we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener draw them to you and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life and if you're in need of a home church chctoday.com